Okay. I'm Mario. I'm the hardware hound. And uh, we need the hardware hound today because we're talking about Unreal Engine 5. Yes, and I won't I won't uh, get get as far off track as I did last time. Uh, we had some technical difficulties, but um, it's not that we don't want to talk about Star Wars. We just got to have a little more prep time to get there. So we're going to go with uh, game engines and future of gaming today because there's some pretty exciting things. At least I think they're pretty exciting that is going on. So, so. Okay, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm just gonna take over the story because it just it gives you way more credibility if I say it. Well, so, that's fair. yeah, <laughs> and so me and Mario we were um, at work and uh, Mario saw one of the headlines for the Unreal Engine Five and he hadn't clicked on it yet and he's like, you know, I would just I would like to see a game engine where somebody could just put all their assets into it and basically like. You know, and I, I'm using layman's terms here, but basically, click a button, and it would automatically like compress everything down to the right polygon count counts, and and just you know make everything more manageable on a size level, so that they don't have to manually try to you know scale the models down so that they can be processed effectively. Okay. So even so, that's a really long way to say what. Yeah, it I was a saying because I, I was basically saying like that you were. I don't feel like a game engine is really going to mean anything to me until they're able to just drop in the asset that they just built without having to fiddle with the polygon count. Yes, that I, that's what I was saying. <laughs> and so, yeah. And so he, he clicks on the video and actually starts watching it. And then within like you know, a couple of minutes after he said that, all of a sudden his hands shoot in the air. And he's like, Oh, He's like, this thing I was just talking about, they're doing it. And I was like, okay, I've got to see this. <laughs> so I got to watch it. And that's that's exactly what they were talking about with Unreal Engine 5, is that they're basically going to be able to throw an asset in there. They're not going to have to worry about polygon counts. And the engine will help compress the polygon, down, polygon count down itself, which I'm guessing means that they're using some AI, like some AI technology of some sort, to automatically figure that stuff out, which is pretty cool. My understanding is like they can have an object that has 16 million uh, triangles basically, and then replicate that same thing. And it doesn't look like that it's lost any of it. Um, It might do more of the scaling based on what's (laughs) close to you and what you're looking at. Kind of like the, uh, uh, the engine for Horizon Zero Dawn, but we haven't got the specifics of that. Basically, they just said, you can just drop your asset in here, and it's going to look the same. It's going to light the same. It's, you don't have to, it's gonna yeah, you be a lot lighter. drop it down to, you know, fit into this world by, you know, it's like, okay, cut it down by 50, 75%, because this is background stuff. It, they're just, you can just, make it as pretty as you want to and it has the detail you know i don't know if they've ever used this term but i mean are we basic are they just basically saying that it's 3d compression they're not um they're they did like a i don't know if you did you actually watch the video no i don't think i got a chance because something came up with work and all that fun stuff so they brought up the map and they they 
turned off all of the texture mapping. So all you had were the polygons, and it looked like straight up uh, everything in sort of like an IR kind of way, but like with static. And the static is just to say that every one of those pixel-ish different little colors is like an angle triangle somewhere out there. And it's not, it wasn't compressing it, it was just there. Uh, hmm. It actually had all of the triangles. There's no, it, it's logically your brain's like, I don't think you can handle the idea of all of those triangles being there at the same time. And like I said, there's, there's got to be something back-end magic, which is whatever you're <laughs> looking at. Yeah. Is, uh, got has all that detail, and then like maybe drops out on the things that you're not looking at or the things that are farther away. Uh, the, you know, the normal way is that we, we assume that it's going to work. But oh, okay. the, the biggest thing is, is that if you're next to it, if you're looking at it, if it's in view, it has all of the detail as if somebody just, literally rendered that as at as high detail as possible and just dropped it in there like they hmm. weren't they they weren't compressing it it was just there and it couldn't understand it that yeah okay yeah, that does sound so, like it's magic. so much yeah it's <laughs> so much more magical than than it just being compressed uh it because you know to be able to because for them to drop in this 16 million or billion as they're going, as they're like multiplying the object, uh, ob triangle, a polygon object, uh, it theoretically should break whatever computer that it's that, <laughs> that, that would do that. Because to even just say that there's that many triangles that you're trying to map texture onto, that doesn't sound logical. Plus, light those things. Okay, how, what, yeah. Yeah. What dark magic did you have to perform in order to get that to work? Uh, but yeah, that was because in my brain, I'm like, we're still, you know, a decade out from being able to do that. But but here we are. There, yeah, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's just so I've been working on this 5600 XT review and I'm, I'm working on some of the features that are going on and and looking at some of the NVIDIA features that are going on. And it's it's. I'm seeing some of the same things happening just on a hardware level. Like you've got, for instance, NVIDIA's got their DLSS. And when they first released it, it was kind of nice looking, but it had some kind of performance issues. It still has a little bit of an issue of it only supports so many games. But basically what NVIDIA does is they use supercomputers to render games at like impossible resolutions. Like, I mean, thousands upon thousands of pixels, like maybe you know, 15, 20, or 100,000 by 100,000, you know, it's just a resolution that's impossible. And then what they do is they shrink that down mm. and compress it into a 1080p yeah, so yeah, that yeah. it kind of gets rid of anti-aliasing. Right. And, or anti-aliasing? I, 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 you know, I always said alias. It just alias? It, it okay. looked like the yeah. word alias. Just, yeah, that makes sense. I went with that. So, and then... <laughs> And to yeah. explain for the people that don't understand that, those words, uh, kill the jaggies. Yeah, it's just uh, it's. I don't know if you ever played on a PS2 and everything was super jagged. That yeah. would be because that stuff that stuff didn't exist 
So yeah. it, what happens is, is those pixels that are in between, it just sort of like makes up a color. Uh, I mean, it's sort of in between so that it sort of fuzzes it out. Yeah. Uh, but as we've gotten farther in technology with better monitors, it's less noticeable, but it's still there. Yeah, and higher resolution makes it less noticeable and so on and so forth. But then anti-aliasing gaming will try to take care of that, but it's very heavy on processing. So NVIDIA is signing, and I started to realize, so I saw some updates on it, and they've got like DLSS 2.0, I think. And it looks like they've just been able to refine that so it performs better while still giving like ultra high-end image quality results. And so, yeah, it's... So it's, as a person that doesn't know what DLSS is what are we talking about <laughs> it's that thing i was you, you you take a game and you 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 oh, render okay. it yeah at right. super so impossible just, resolution that's yeah. just the fancy four letter word the four letter acronym for whatever is happening yeah with that yeah i i don't remember i don't know what the acronym is that for Nvidia it or, does. yeah but yeah so and when it compresses it down instead of using actual anti-aliasing i'm gonna take a guess i'm gonna say like uh Digital uh, landscaping super sampling. Digital landscaping super sampling. You know what? I don't know what the L is. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Deep learning super sampling. Oh, so close. So, yeah. It's more AI stuff. You know, it's deep learning to do these things that normally would take programmers by hand ages to do. And... Um, you know, you got the, so I was playing around with magic. Yeah. And I was, you know, ray tracing. Another thing that is right now is kind of, it's a big word for shiny things. So far as I'm able to tell. Yeah. Well, but that's the thing is you don't have shiny things in a game because you just, you know, it's like, Oh, well I've got a sun in the sky. So I have shiny things. That's not how it works. The way that it works is, is that the developer has to literally put the light on every object. Mm, That's true. (laughs) Except that's what ray tracing does. Ray tracing says, oh, never mind. I put a light source and bam, I have all the lighting. I mean, just think about how much time that saves. And then I was I messing around with this 5600 XT and AMD is playing around some trickery caught with a um, Radeon Boost. And what they're doing is they're using the mouse movement to detect when you're moving fit quickly. And they will instantly um, shrink your resolution. So, like, they'll drop your game down to, like, say, 720p or, or a little bit, you know, somewhere in between. And they'll drop that resolution in a movement space so that you don't even really realize that the revol- resolution's dropped. But then when you're, like, still and you're trying to f- focus in on something, then the resolution goes back to full. And it's just – it seems like that that can get you better performance out of your hardware – you know, Without. I, I'm wondering if that's what Metal Gear Solid uh, with the uh, the Fox engine uh, for Metal Gear Solid Five was doing, because it just it just always looked beautiful, and I had no idea. Like it didn't matter how crap your system was, like you couldn't make that <laughs> game not look pretty. Yeah. And uh, that's the kind of that's the kind of stuff that I feel like was happening for like those movements, because I'm like, how does this look so good? Even though I'm yeah. not like running this at like a high frame rate or like super good graphics, yeah, I don't it, know what he did. Yeah, and I I just it's nice. So we've got these technologies that are coming together, and I'm you know we're seeing a things are going to run better on lower end specs, 
it's like, oh, hey, you know what? Um, you only have a uh, integrated graphics chip on your laptop. That's okay. You you can actually game on this thing now, and that's yeah, that's, that's just become more and more the case. Yeah, and that's that's awesome. And then the flip side of this is is that now we're seeing this technology really get focused on the developer side, mm-hmm. and we're we're saying, hey. We don't need to waste. I mean, think about how much it costs to make a game. It's just, just you know, millions of dollars sometimes, maybe more, maybe less, depending on the gaming company, how big they are. But the big studios, they've got to develop, ton, you know, devote tons of man talent to to just making graphics work. Yeah, it's usually and, okay. so like on on video game sales, it's like a million copies sold is kind of a big deal. Uh, yeah, that's supposing that you sold. 60 of them so i mean you sell them at 60 dollars a piece and you're probably only getting mm, eh, i want to say 40 would be generous on that uh so you're wanting to make this production significantly less than 40 million (laughs) (laughs) yeah in order but it also has to be successful in order to not lose money and, and then you've got yeah these game developers who are basically being put in these situations where it's like the they want to develop games, but then the company's like, look it, if you're not putting in a hundred hours this week while we're we're in crunch time, you can't have this job because we can't afford to pay you like a normal person. <laughs> yeah, it, it, you know, and, and some of that's by the company. Yeah, it's true. Uh, Sony is really good at it. So if somebody asks for more time with Sony, and Sony says. Is three months enough? And they're, oh, yeah. And it's like, oh, then just do it. Uh, you know, it's it's something that they would negotiate because they trust in the product and trust in the, the people doing it. Um, and and what, and, but the thing is, it's just, it's just those release dates. As, well, not specifically the release dates. It's, I, I don't know if it's poor planning or it, really how that goes about, but, you know, it's, that they have, they've had this expect expectation that each employee is going to cost them about a hundred thousand a year. Um, mm. So their <laughs> consideration for that is it, get as much as you can out of them. Yeah, basically, it's not it's not that you're literally paying them a hundred thousand, but like so benefits and and yeah and you know all the the various things you, you kind of have to budget around that for people is there any game companies that are based in california uh i know that there's because i mean i'm pretty I mean, sure i i know ea has a branch but i also think that they have another one that's in florida so yeah and because i was like you know a hundred thousand in some states would be Okay, you know, here's benefits and stuff, but even minus that might be a decent salary. But then if you're living in like LA or Sacramento or something, <laughs> that's that money you probably can barely afford to rent a one bedroom apartment yeah. and yeah, eat but, ramen every night. <laughs> but yeah, and it's the it's the sort of thing that you have to take into account, like when you're you're making a Kickstarter for a game. Okay, so I have me and ten people. You know, it's like okay, then I know that I need what a million to to make this game work if i get it done in a year supposing that 10 people can get it done in a year it may not happen you know yeah. and so it's like okay well then i need you know 
two million for two years or three million for three if I am only running ten people. And you know that those numbers just get out of hand when you're getting to AAA products. Cause it means that you have to get it done faster. Yeah, because you're putting more people into it. So it, it's one of those things where I want to blame people like Activision for how often they're pumping <laughs> out stuff, but they're they're pumping out stuff and it's quality and it's showing up like every year, and, but. Quality-ish. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to call it mediocre. These people work really hard. Yeah, but you know, it's it's something that you look at and you're kind of frustrated at the idea that you know they. It's like, oh, this could have been better if you put more time into it. But if you put more time into it, it's gonna be a cost sink, and it's just you got to balance these really dumb things in order yeah. to get games to come out right. And I, I, I don't really blame people as much anymore because I, it's this this cost-risk analysis on how much you're, you're paying versus how many people you're putting into it, it's, it's just super weird and, and, and hard to wrap my brain around. But it's, it's, yeah. I, I, so, I, I'm less angry at the company for pushing it out so fast, but I do have a problem with the crunch. But... Yeah, it's it's like I want to have a problem with the crunch, except that they won't it's make him. any money. Yeah. Also, you can't just say it's good enough and then push it. No. So. Which okay, so bringing this all around, that's what you know. Unreal Engine Five and seeing about you know just being able to drop an asset in and being like, hey, there it goes. Yeah. If you whatever you can do to save time. We're seeing, I feel like we're seeing so many more things that are, you know, we're seeing a lot of technologies that are really not geared towards gamers. They're geared towards developers. And that's mm-hmm. a good thing because in the end, the gamers will win. And I feel like this is exciting. Like this, I feel like PS5 and Xbox Series X is going to be kind of like a new era of gaming because anything that the consoles get kind of just bleeds over into PC world too. And it's like we're, we're going to be able to see companies focus on things that matter. Like, hey, you know all that time we couldn't spend building a massive, huge world? Well, we can do that now. You know, and I, the less I mean, that if, you have to worry about your assets breaking parts of your game, the better. Yeah. I, the thing that instantly comes to mind is, and it, you know, it, it wasn't that the place wasn't fairly big, but what was that game with the um, mech suits? uh bioware i think um you're thinking uh, titanfall no the other one with the anthem Anthem, yes i was like starts with an a i think you know anthem really played up how massive this world was going to be and when they showed the one zone i looked at that zone and was like dang that's like that's like a world of warcraft zone if they do a whole continent of like that that's going to be huge and then it was the one zone (laughs) and it's not that there wasn't layers to it and stuff but it was the hype definitely didn't measure up. Well, they probably hit that that deadline crunch. They just they, they couldn't keep they couldn't sinking development money. Yeah, they couldn't build yeah, all they, the different types of ways that the enemy can attack you. And we needed probably at least five zones that were as big as that to make it feel amazing. You know, and, and that's why World of Warcraft probably that's probably one of their biggest staying power aspects is you know and you look at the world it's huge <laughs> and for an mmo it better be because you're not you're not going to keep a game around for what man wow's going on what 15 years or something like that <laughs> yeah, ridiculous that i mean right. yeah 
yeah, it's just I think it was 2005 when it when it came out. Well, I mean, um, on, and you know, on the anthem subject, I mean, it's that it was that same problem uh, in terms of uh, trying to you you have all of this area with all this detail, but you have to find a way to only render parts of it at a time. Uh, mm-hmm. at certain distances versus what's behind you and you're, you're having to process all of this in order to make it convincing that you're flying around this really big open world and the more <laughs> that you can just sort of put it in there and let it exist without it having to think so hard about it or at least let the engine think so hard about it uh, you know, that's less that you have to develop for yeah you know, fun fact on World of Warcraft. So, um, when you came to Stormwind, um, when you would, when you were like, especially if you were newbie questing in that zone, and you'd walk into the city, it was it was set up weird where you'd have to walk up, you'd go across this bridge, and then there would be this big old like kind of pedestal, like gate kind of thing in the way, and you would have to circle around it and then come around to the come around it and then go into the city. And that was actually just a little rendering trick, because if you tried to render that whole city from a distance, it could crash. <laughs> it could crash your graphics and stuff. So it was. So, yeah, I wanted to bring it up. Uh, there's this thing that everybody's freaked out about during that uh, Unreal 5 tech demo was the character uh, moving between like a really uh, close in wall and you know shuffling sideways through it and they're all like oh look at that that's but that's a one of those parlor tricks to render in the next next area and they're like that's uh, that i mean we put that in there but that wasn't that wasn't the point of that it, it wasn't actually to save time so that I could render in the new area but you know it's like uncharted did it all the time you know yeah and but uncharted was kind of cool because even since the beginning they went out of their way to try to mask loading times with, you know, even just the cut scenes so that you'd never have this stop in whatever you were doing versus whatever you were watching. Um, You would always have this one really big load uh, at the beginning of the game. But yeah, they would use like those little parts where you had to slide in sideways into something thin or um, had to duck under something or use just a whole cutscene in order to hide the fact that it was loading the next game. <laughs> yeah. And it just, it's kind of cool to think that with some of these new game engines and stuff, that might be a thing of the past, which is pretty exciting. Yeah. And not, more... not that, you, you know, game companies, you know, like, I mean, Uncharted use that kind of stuff masterfully. It, you, it's not, that's not a bad thing. But it's much easier when you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, it's 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 nice when you don't have to hide your. Yeah, uh, uh, I mean, you can focus your magic tricks on something else. I guess I should say. Like I said, Horizon Zero Dawn was was great at rendering things, but only rendering what exactly what you were looking at, plus like a little bit more to the left and right, just so that. Ah. So. So everything like behind you and out of your field of view just derezzes. Nice. So yeah, that's that's kind of like what AMD is doing on that hardware level, but it's yeah, it's a little different, but it's kind of similar in concept. So, huh? Yeah, that's people fun. have been. Yeah, 
Yeah, everybody's got their their magic tricks to make their AAA games look good. Um, yeah, but it does feel like we're gonna see some magic tricks that are gonna save a lot of time, and and hopefully what will benefit from that is games that have better worlds, better gameplay, and the other thing I'm really hoping to see. I hope AI starts getting smarter because I think that would be pretty cool to start seeing AI kind of learn and make NPCs more difficult to fight against. I mean, if you did it to an extreme, you could make a game probably impossible. (laughs) That probably wouldn't be good. You know, when I think about that, it's like, what are the games that you've really appreciated the AI in? Like... See, that's why I like to play PvP, because I can't, I don't know that I've got a game that I can say, oh, I just really loved playing the AI, you know? It's it's usually the AI has always got some kind of pitfall that once you can exploit, you're kind of like, okay, well, this isn't hard anymore. <laughs> and so the things that I appreciated um, were when the AI would do something that it shouldn't be allowed to do uh and nobody believes me but i was playing (laughs) halo 3 and i stuck a grenade to an elite and he ripped it off himself tossed to the side and dove away i was like what you can't do that (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i'm like and nobody's like yeah he can't do that you didn't see that happen no i swear it happened (laughs) picture Pixar didn't happen. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's it's there's there's just the things where you know that the computer shouldn't be allowed to do it. Those are the things that I I appreciate. But yeah, know, it's not it's not necessarily an AI thing. It's more it's what it's always been. Uh, it's just a random number generator. Is it going to happen? Uh, you know, there's there's some movement of things like I, I think about uh, Brothers in Arms, uh, an old gearbox game uh where you know you would have to outflank people and you'd throw troops in other directions so that you can sort of pincer attack or you could draw them out like go towards one people so that whenever they rushed out because they're retreating they'd run into like your your guys's fire and you know there's there's things that made sense but there's sort of a programming thing that it's like you want the ai to know when to be afraid of you but not <laughs> always be afraid of you because you like the grunts in halo sometimes they'll charge you and then you just killed like five guys and there's like one grunt let, left and he's like nope and he starts running away <laughs> and you know it's like i respect that but you know it's it's what do you want the ai to do because there's a lot of things that we've sort of worked around that it's we'd make it feel right but yeah what intelligently do you want it to do it's it's just one of those things where it's like so this this game i started playing i was really that you know i still really enjoy i like it um but and i'm really getting into kind of like the isometric action rpg kind of game but but not the click to move kind um it's more like twin stick rpg if i can say that I, it's not something that's like an official title, but it's the best way I can describe it because um, it's Darksiders Genesis and Children of Morta. And they're games that are challenging, but they have creatures that basically just charge in and have movesets that make you have to react to them. 
and they use terrain and numbers to make it a challenge, which is good because it's a challenge, but everything is still incredible. I mean, after a while playing it, everything's very incredibly predictable in that it can still be a challenge. Like I, I took Darksiders Genesis and started doing a playthrough on Mayhem mode, like from the beginning, like not even joking around, just starting from level one in Mayhem mode which is hard because your item level is drastically behind what they recommend. So it's cool to do that, but it'd be so cool to play a game where that, that, that those NPCs are learning from your play style and then trying to adapt to it. And that's just something that, you know, that's when you play a PVP game like league of legends or arena and world of Warcraft, or like when I really got into is battle, right? You know, when you're playing against a player, when you play a good player, they're adapting to you. They're changing their strategy. And when you play a bad player, you're just stomping all over them. And But it's those matches where you're playing against somebody who's adapting that gets really intense and fun. I wish we could see that. I'm hoping we're going to see that on a gameplay level. In fact, I think that's why there's this one game I threw on my wish list for Steam. Um, it's an Xbox game, but it's also coming out to PC uh, called The Ascent. And I, mm-hmm. it's too early to tell. But some of the gameplay trailer stuff I saw, and it was like, huh, that those AIs look more intelligent than usual. <laughs> like it's hard; it's just such so, such little snippets. It's hard to say. I don't want to say it's gonna be that way, but it kind of looks like it. Another game I thought of too was you now you played Alien Isolation, right? Yeah. How how did that work out for you? Uh, you know, I uh, well, I didn't make it as far as um as other people, but. Uh, the the way that the AI works in Alien Isolation is that the alien always kind of knows where you are, and the way that it was sort of worked around was it was sort of just sort of be randomly told what direction you should be and and where to check. So whenever it get to whenever you'd get too far away, it sort of get a hint well, he is over here, and then the alien would head towards that direction. Mm. And, and that's how they built that. Um, the other... Which, it's not bad. Yeah, I mean, I mean yeah. it's, it's nice that maybe he won't pick this locker, you know? It's like... <laughs> so there is a little bit of not so much skill as much as just chance. Yeah, well, there's that, but then there's other things that you do to screw yourself over, like... I'm going to check my radar and, Oh, he heard that, you know, yeah, just, okay. Um, just little things like that. And what you're, but he'll always attack whatever is, um, in his line of sight. So if you can force the enemy to be in the line of sight, then, um, you can redirect the alien to go somewhere else while you use them as a distraction. So the other people that I know, drop a lot of time into AI or Valve. So Left 4 Dead, mm. the Left 4 Dead series uh, built, okay. was built around the AI director. So they always wanted to, hey, you guys have a lot of health right now. Now seems like a good time for like a full-on wave. So like doors get start blowing open and and everything <laughs> starts getting attacked and, and you know some of the the special guys come out and oh no one of your characters is a little too far away i'm gonna punish you for that so you know the the uh the guy with the tongue starts pulling them back 
Yeah. And, you know, and that's, and that's how it was built was so that it would sort of take advantage of the fact that it's like, I need it as a game. You have four people. You should really stick together. Um, and, you know, and what it would do is uh, it would always get to that point where, uh, oh, man, we're, we're, we're really dying here. And, you know, it's like health is really low and the game's all like, mm, OK, I'll, I'll let you let you, you know, mosey on a little bit. I'm only going to throw like 10 of them at you and just they're just normal ones. And yeah. it would just it would just sort of balance it so that you could pretty much make it through. But if you did some dumb things, it'd punish you for it. Yeah. And then we were also talking about um, Half-Life Alex. Yeah. And I was wondering, because you said Val was like, you know, I wonder if that's one of the elements that made Half-Life 2 such a... Because I never really got to play Half-Life 2. Okay, so... So... So here's what the pattern of Valve has been with Half-Life. So they came out the first Half-Life and said, first-person shooters don't have story. What if we gave it story? So they actually built a story in a first-person shooter, and they're like, hey, everybody kind of caught on. They're like, we could do that, and started actually building more um, story-focused first-person shooters. So Half-Life 2 comes around, and they're all like, so there's games that have story and first-person shooters, but they don't focus on characters. We should focus on character building. So they started doing more on character building. Um, they did a lot of other things uh, by that game that was pretty unique. Like uh, they added sound for every object. So if you brushed your shoulder up against a, like wood, it would make a different sound than if you scraped up against metal. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they were some originators of that. Um, and then Half-Life Alex came around and their theory was, um, I haven't gotten as, as much into their developer commentaries for that, but, um, it, it was just, they wanted to make it. I mean, it's not that it wasn't, it's not that it's not character focused, but they just, they just wanted to focus on interaction with everything and it just to make you feel involved because that's what VR is. Yeah. Uh, and, and just for you to, to lose yourself in the idea of that you're there. And quite frankly, I mean, I'm not a big VR guy. Um, I've never really felt like, I've never really felt like VR got past the gimmick stage. I kind of was still along the lines of, you know, VR still just feels more like a gimmick than an actual, you know, catching on kind of gameplay yeah, a, experience. A tech demo. Yeah, basically. And then half, you know, I started hearing, you know, seeing posts on half life Alex, hearing you talk about it. And I was like, okay, I, I believe VR is going to be the real deal now. And not that maybe it will be my, my particular thing, but I totally see it being, taken taking off a lot more now it's like i think they they unlocked some of the magic behind it to make it work yeah and a lot of that started with boneworks as well and it's 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 this idea that um if you're making a vr world whatever objects that you have need to be interactive like you have to make that logical conclusion that if somebody sees two objects together they're going to want to do this and you need to program around <laughs> that which is a terrible thing to, to have to program around. So it's like, if you see a lighter and you're giving a wad of cash, 
someone is going to try to light that wad of cash on fire. <laughs> like you have to assume that whatever you objects you have, people are going to try to do that. Sorry, Master Bruce. Some people just want to see the world burn. Exactly. <laughs> and you know, it's so you know, and that's one of the amazing things about uh, how Half Life Alex starts is you um, you know first you're given like you you show up and there's like a radio and you know you fiddle with the with the thing a bit and then like there's bottles and and cans and stuff and there's like a pigeon and okay so you're gonna want to do one of two things throw the radio or a bottle at that pigeon you know <laughs> it's like it doesn't matter but so you walk around you go on the inside of this building and there's like this little there's like this glass where somebody wrote with markers. And, also, we are not advocating animal torture. We're just stating the the just, the internet v, of things. It's <laughs> VR. You're gonna try to do whatever terrible thing yeah. you could possibly imagine, so, because you know it's no repercussions. So you're, uh, you're given this this glass window, and it's got some drawings in it. It's, so so it's, wait wait wait. Just I just gotta ask. So does that? Do you think we could see a day where it's like, oh, we're gonna have to prosecute you on your VR history? <laughs> Uh, I mean, they do have Thief Simulator. Oh dear! So, it's which is it's pretty funny. You're just trying to distract people, or like you're searching through garbage, and it it actually has a lot of social engineering as <laughs> as part of the uh, as part of the game. It's kinda, ah, great! It, it's kind of impressive. It's um, also you know we work in IT, so that's not not sounding like a good thing to me. <laughs> Hey, let's teach people how to social engineer better. Yeah, Thanks. It, Thanks a lot. Well, it is Thief Simulator. I don't know what you're expecting. So No, no, I, I mean, I get you. It's fair. <laughs> but yeah, but you walk in this room, there's like some marker drawings to show, show you uh, the things that Alex has been researching. But they have some markers that are on the thing. And what's people going to do? They're going to pick up the marker and try to draw. Yeah. So, you know, you, you draw some things and somebody's like, I want to erase that. And they instinctively try to wipe it off with their finger and it works. You know, it's just, there's things that you wouldn't expect to work just because it's just that people are, people now have to program around the idea that if it's something that somebody would ever think that they wish they would just instinctively do, you have to program as if that's a thing you can do. And the more that you do that, the more immersive the game is because you just do it. So You know, if somebody's ever going to make a VR Superman game, they're pretty much going to have to allow Superman <laughs> to do the most awful things for it to actually work. Yeah, you're just going to have to laser everything with your eyes. And it's like, oh, I, I, I can cut this whole building down. I'm going to do it. Yeah, I mean, you would just... If, but that's, if there's a way, I'm going to knock this building down. But that's totally what's going to be. If they don't do it, the game will be a flop. Yeah, then it's not worth it. I mean, <laughs> you you would have to program it like it's a, a red faction and just assume that every building should be demolished. Like, yeah. What if I take out these very <laughs> integral pillars? Oh, good, it fell. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much, you would you would have to build around that idea. Oh my gosh, that'd be that'd be crazy. <laughs> that'd be funny. But yeah, that's that's how VR works. Is is that's where we're at for programming in VR, which is why there aren't a lot of things that aren't tech demo-y because you have to think about all of that in order to get it to work and it feel right. 
which is why yeah. Boneworks actually worked out really well is because it was the first one it was the first game to take all of the ideas that all these other games have, have gotten climbing fighting gun fighting puzzle solving uh uh just taking uh melee combat and taking everything and saying no that's just all the things that you would normally do mm-hmm. and then throwing it all in the same game so it's it's all just seamless as opposed to several different games you know, it's it's one of the, it kind of reminds me actually a little bit of a Fortnite because I was I'm not a Fortnite player, but I've been benchmarking it just to have the the results for my 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 GPU review, and I I I got into like a builder thing where I could build my own world so I could have something consistent because it would land me in the docks each time, and I just out of curiosity I was like, huh. I have this big giant pickaxe. What happens when I start, you know, whacking at this car and I literally take the car apart and I get materials for it. And it's like, I was like, huh, what happens if I start whacking at this light pole? I take the light pole apart. I'm like, okay. Well, then I finished my benchmark run. I went to like, what can I destroy? And I like looking at this big old steel, like, like it's a, it's like a sky hook kind of thing where it's just, it's got this big, hook and crane thing and it, and it goes across like just start taking apart the, the base and i just tear the whole thing down like wow i guess that's one of the things that makes fortnite work is you can pretty much destroy anything and it's just and it's not, it's not the advertised part yeah no it's 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 people who you know make that game work they build and and destroy and build and destroy and they just they it adds a element of fun that I can I can kind of see why they did did pretty good. Still not, <laughs> I'm not into battle royale. I, I, I that's not my thing, but but it was interesting. So this just gave me a little bit of an idea what's going on. I'm still kind of interested in the PVE side, but not forty dollars interested. Yeah, I, I like the idea of battle royale, but at the end of the day, I I kind of want to play that. What was the name of that game? There was this. Uh, there was this game for PS3, and it was the it was selling the idea of like a like a hundred and twenty eight man battle, uh, <laughs> where where it was like two sides of like sixty four players, like all rushing towards the center, and like the, oh, man, groups seen... are like separated into like command units, so like one person can give orders to like four or five people and. Like the idea was really big, but like, I, I think the execution it, was kind of flawed. But... Yeah, it, it's I've seen that so many times because the MMO world tries to do that every time, and it's the execution part. Like, it's like it's a lot harder to just make that happen than it sounds on paper. Yeah. <laughs> and that's I haven't seen one. I think the most successful large scale battleground I've ever seen is Alterac Valley, and that's still only like forty on forty. I believe 40 versus 40. Yeah. Which is pretty know, big. The only yeah, the only way I could see that working practically is like a World War 2 scenario or like a civil war scenario. Like things where there's clearly just dividing lines of like two sets of 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 opponents where like you're going to want to stay on the side that you're on. Like, yeah. you know, it's like, "Oh, okay, so this, you know, 64 versus 64 player battle works great." on normandy beach you know but that's that's all you got yeah and it's probably still be a nightmare to to actually program and code it all yeah but yeah it's it's 
the thing I want to see, and and this is so this kind of comes back. So I, you know, back back in the day, I used to play EverQuest with my friend, and then we transitioned into World of Warcraft. And uh, it's been a long time since I've I've messed with an MMO. But one of the things, it, it, one of the, one of the AIs I thought of too is like Borderlands Two. I was like, you know, they you had a lot of guys who'd be shooting and ducking and covering, and and it it felt a little bit random, and it wasn't too bad, and you know, I, I really love the way Borderlands 2 ended. You 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 get done fighting Handsome Jack, and he's like, ah, it's too late. And then he summons this giant, you know, dragon-looking thing on you, and you're like, ah, crap. But the, the only problem with the dragon thing is it was still a challenge, but there was just a, okay, after a while, it's like he's got certain movesets, and you need to be in certain places. Because he's not really tracking you. He's just attacking based on a certain pattern. Yeah, he's attacking I was an like, area. Yeah, and I was like, you know, it'd be really cool if you could AI a boss like that, where he's actually focused on you, and the AI is basically built to a certain difficulty that can make it really hard. And if you get a strategy where, like, you think you exploit it, that boss learns from it and then changes its strategy so that... Could you imagine MMOs doing that? It would make raids and dungeons just... It'd be amazing. You would just be like, hey, I don't really know what this boss is going to do to me this time. I'm not just going to run through and clear it because he's going to change his strategy because the last group that beat him did something stupid. And he's like, oh, you're not going to do that to me again. <laughs> that that would be gaming right there. That would be really cool. And I, I don't know if that's in 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 the possibility of future, but I mean, near future, but I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the only way that I can I can see that working is on a smaller level where it's something that whatever you're fighting has the same sort of abilities that you do uh, because then you can just say, oh, well, this technique works really well because they're using that technique. Um, oh, there is a game. There is a game. Uh, uh, what was it called? I want to say it was something Echo. Uh, where the game, everybody that's fighting you is fighting you based on what you're doing. So huh. uh, <laughs> so if you're trying to stealth your way through the game, uh, the game realizes that you're going to try to hide behind certain objects and you've been favoring those objects, so I'm always going to look behind those objects. So you have to keep on changing up how you're playing in order to survive because the game always knows what you're trying to take advantage of. Hmm. I'm wondering, cause I was, I was looking up, I was like, okay. Oh yeah. No, it's, it's just called echo. It's just called echo. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. and so uh, it's about this game. Uh, it's here. The way you play shapes the game in echo. Everything has consequences. You try to wield its magical technologies. It becomes apparent that the palace has a will of its own. It creates echoes, exact copies of you in every way that behave like you and only do the things you do. So the way you play the game shapes your enemy. <laughs> yeah. And like I, it, I, maybe and it's it gets a, out of hand because like it keeps on making more of them. So it's like, it's so they're all expecting you to be in certain places, even if you haven't done it yet. Yeah, okay, yeah. Palace reboots every so often, resulting in a blackout. Oh, that game sounds kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, I'd, uh, yeah, I'd take a look at that. Uh, and, you know, it's... I I don't know how it works on, on a larger boss level kind of way, unless 
because you would have to build attacks based on on how people react and assume that that attack would always work if they were doing that because otherwise if if they game it in a different way because you're doing a certain action then they're still just going to cheese it yeah so it it makes it a little bit more difficult when it's a you know a larger boss or um you know what i'm saying yeah it's just it's just one of those things where it's like you know the 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 only thing that i think i could add to that is just the fact that if you hide behind cover and then the boss still does the attack that obviously will hit no one why does he still do it (laughs) yeah so it's just it's just like a lot of people have programmed around that one pretty easily well and you know, I didn't do a ton of raiding, but some of the raiding that I have done, it's like, you know, there was boss battles where they would have, like, area of effect attacks that would would basically spawn underneath your feet. And it clearly was targeting where where players actually were. It wasn't just completely random. Mm-hmm. So it there is some elements that already. But I thought, where I thought it would be really fun, too, is, you know, you got PvP where there's always these ladders and rankings. But if you can have an AI that just kind of infinitely gets harder and you basically have raid guilds trying to compete with who can get like the highest PVE rating on a AI boss that just keeps getting smarter, it'd be like it'd be like, you know, chess champions going against each other to fight a computer. And <laughs> just it could get kind of interesting, be kind of fun just to just watch it play out. Yeah, but. You know, and I don't know. Like I said, it's kind of wishful thinking that I don't know how practical it is to 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 say that, but it's just been a, a thought that's been on my mind. <laughs> yeah, there's so there's this anime uh, dot hack uh, sign. Oh, yeah. I believe was the first one, and there were these characters that had that everybody knew who they were because they were the only people that had the particular items that they wielded because they accomplished some raid uh, that made them kind of like the only people that had the item. So everybody would know who they were because of what they were, what they had. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because I don't feel like a lot of games do that. Uh, And I, I heard that there was once in the first destiny where one person had like this exotic scout rifle and i forgot what it was called but i don't think it was because of the accomplishment though i don't know if somebody i don't know if it was like a make a wish or something or played an impossible amount of the game (laughs) yeah there was a there was a guy who um as soon as they he heard that you could sort of just sort of infinitely raise your power he was trying to accomplish something that was in one of the lore books in Destiny 2. And so he he went to he tried to get to power level 1000 from 750. And uh, which is such a grind and you'd basically have to be working at it every day all day, 24 hours a day for like the entire season. <laughs> and so he kind of just kept on handing off his account and Ain't nobody got running. time of that yeah. <laughs> and so he did it and then nothing happened oh no uh oops so yeah so he got a shout out in a in another lore book but you know it's like um 
Yeah, so when we said this, we meant, you know, like, the way that normal people would do it, not, like, the way that you just did it. So, But there is no normal way to do it, right? <laughs> yeah, not at that time. It was, uh, so there was, it was something that I imagine that they are planning, you know, probably at the end of this season or the start of the next. Oh, okay. It was, it was something that you, you couldn't do because normal people aren't going to get their power level up that high. Yeah. Um, so, I think I'm mad at... <laughs> I was trying to benchmark some destinies of it. I'm like, I think I'm at a power level 750, but I don't really remember actually getting there. So yeah, I think... <laughs> the, at the start of um, the last DLC, they kind of just brought everybody up so that new players would all be on the same level that's not bad so that's actually not a bad idea because they they made their free to play so they're yeah. trying to level out the playing field so you could just join whoever without having to be super know, yeah that's make it that's 750 levels up yeah that's that's nice i actually like that hmm so well Final i thoughts yeah i well I, I like Unreal Engine 5. I like some of the technologies I'm seeing. Of course, you know, just, just having next-gen consoles with, like, NVMe drives, basically, that's huge. Like, thank yeah, goodness. It's about that's... time. <laughs> yeah. Like, I nice. I mean, if they just had, you know, it's like if you were going to make a better PlayStation or Xbox, just, just have it come with the solid-state drive and actually have, like, SATA 6, and it would have been great, but... I think they were still bandwidth throttled by SATA 3. <laughs> yeah, I'm still not positive that the uh, NVMe is actually coming with it or if it just is supported. Yeah, that'll be interesting to find out for sure. I hope they're coming with it. Yeah, that'd be it nice. just, yeah. And I mean, NVMe's gotten really cheap. So I just, but even if, even if they didn't have NVMe, I mean, just coming from a PC side, if you just have a good SATA 6 you know, yeah. six gigabits per second bandwidth speed on that kind of solid state storage, you'd be fine. But I think the reason why NVMe is going to work, um, you know, I bought my kids these two laptops for some homeschool stuff. And I was looking for a good deal. I found a Ryzen 5 uh, Lenovo for like 350 bucks, And it has an NVMe drive in it. Yeah. Like, no. All I can think of is, is yeah. when I spent 300 bucks when I was, you know, in high school, it's like, oh, this is the most garbage laptop you'll ever own. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I've got a Ryzen 5, which has, I believe, four cores and eight threads in it. So for a laptop, that's already kind of ridiculous. And it's got, it's like the 2000 series one, I think. But uh, so it's like the older gen, but it still performs really well. And yeah, it's got an actual NVMe drive. Like it's not a SATA. It's it's and I think it's just for some reason when they put these NVMe drives into like laptops and stuff, they're just they sell them really cheap. Because and it's just they're the size of a stick of gum. So the actual materials involved are probably cheaper to they're getting cheaper probably to make NVMe yeah. than it is to make an actual SATA that's in like a you know, what is it, two and a half inch case That'd or whatever. Nice. So I mean, it doesn't totally translate when you're buying one for, like, a custom-built PC, but it does seem to be translating well into, like, the pre-built, like, laptops and tablet world. I'm just seeing those little NVMe drives now all the time. So that might be the reason why it's working so well for PS5 and Xbox to do that, but I guess we won't does know Xbox until... Have it? Well, it sounds like both of them are going to have it, 
But, you know, after hearing you say that, I'm like, I hope they don't try to pull that. It would be pretty... <laughs> it's like, oh, well, it supports it. But we come with this crappy, you know, little spinny hard drive. <laughs> Which happens all the time. Like, so, I've, I've, had to, I've had to upgrade all of the hard drives whenever I had a yeah. PlayStation. So it's not impossible. So we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I... I uh, yeah, I, I, there's a couple of things that that um, made me think about some things that I want to kit on the next time, and I am still looking forward to One Punch Man season three. So nothing official yeah, on has that. Has anybody announced anything on that? No, it's I just saw an article where they're just basically saying end of 2020 is what fans are expecting it by, but nothing officially announced. And COVID 19 has stopped pretty much all manga series productions. So. <sighs> Yeah, so we there's no way to know for sure, and I definitely want to. I'm hoping by next week I'll be ready for some serious Star Wars talk because, yeah, um, yeah I <laughs> I'm working on it. I've got some. I got some Clone Wars to talk about. So. Well, yeah, I know. So, I know you want to. You want to talk about the uh, Skywalker thing, but yeah, well. I want to talk about that, and we might be doing like it, two it'll different. All, it'll all meld together by the end of it, but yeah, probably. I let me see if I can find where I am at. So yeah, Kotaku uh, Essential—that's what it was. Essential Clone Wars. So if you just do, you know, for those of you listening, if you just do a quick Google search "Essential Clone War" episodes, you'll you'll find it. And if you throw Kotaku in there, that helps. But yeah, so I am in season. I'm in season three, and I got through the witches. That was kind of interesting. Yeah. I was I was not expecting that. Um, and so I'm in the middle of this new, this weird. Um, oh no, I'm in season four. The darkness on yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, because that's the darkness of Umbara. Uh, the general. Yeah, this general guy is just kind of crazy. So yeah, I'm in, I'm in season four. I've got season five, and then I hit season six. So I've still got a ways to go, but I'm I'm knocking them out pretty quick. So yeah. hopefully, yeah. We had, it was just it was just hard at the beginning because it was like, oh, here's a three PO Jar Jar episode. Nope. <laughs> oh gosh. No, I'm I'm done. <laughs> so that's I'm so, so I was yeah. I'm I'm super glad that there's a a filler free guide. Nice thing is that the way that clone wars episodes open like you're basically not missing any actual information most of the time because it's like oh well you just basically dropped me in the middle of who knows where in the war yeah and you know there's one problem i do have with the clone war series up to this point and that and it's just kind of the problem you always have when you do a cartoon show on this stuff i, I don't see this problem going away anytime real soon because they have to keep things kind of kid friendly although i'm pretty sure yeah no they totally cut a clone trooper in half and oh, show it but i'm like oh my gosh yeah it gets <laughs> it gets real uh i was like season three and they you know i'll do it off off screen but i'm like wow they, they got away with a lot of really murderizing these yeah, clones there's, there's so much death and not even uh, clones after a while yeah they 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 did have a Jedi. I did see a Jedi guy get balled by some kind of dog wolf creature thing, so that was interesting. And then somebody got um, like tortured until they died. And oh yeah, no, that totally happened by uh, Cad Bane, who is the coolest 
Oh, yeah, I don't think we should do that in one sit through. I think we're going to have to do like uh, Rise of Skywalker and Clone Wars as two separate things right now. Because I, I did really like Cad Bane. He is he just is everything I feel like a bounty hunter should yeah, be. Just just normal smugglery kind of guys. Yeah, it's just well, it's just yeah, like uh, just I love the idea that you you got a character who's like it's he's not just some he's not just like I like to kill because I like to kill or he's just no I like money and I'll do whatever it takes and when I don't need to I won't do it you know he he just he's essential and even though he's bad he only does what's essential if he has to kill somebody he don't care but he doesn't go out of his way to kill people either he's just I essential I do what's essential to get my job done as quick as possible <laughs> it's like yeah. ah. I love ex- that. Yeah, in the old expanded universe, that's really how they built Boba Fett. So yeah, and so it's, it's, like, it's you're working fun. for the rebellion. He's all like, <laughs> "Hey, Empire's gone. You guys pay." Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, I like. It's just when you have a clear motivation for a character and the character stays true to it, then you have an interesting character. It's, yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's like it's Captain America simple. works. Yeah. Well, that's really why. I, Honestly, a lot of Marvel works. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so for those of you who absolutely love Iron Man, you might cover your ears, but that's why I like I was totally like when I heard that Robert Downey Jr. was gonna die, you know, Tony Stark's gonna die and and in a end game, I was like, No, oh, well that that's it's about time. <laughs> <laughs> and I you know, I love the character of Iron Man, but honestly, it's felt like he's created more messes than he solved at times. It's like it's a pro. It's an appropriate sacrifice because it actually is a good final step for his character, and I felt like he kind of deserved a sacrifice. Like, you know, you you caused your villains in like all three of your movies. <laughs> you pretty much, um, well, I mean, you know, first Avengers, you you did good, you helped. Uh, second Avengers, you pretty much caused that problem. <laughs> it's just Civil War, yeah. You kind of caused some of that problem. Maybe it's not all on you, but you kind of didn't help. <laughs> it's just, oh, you're doing something actually self-sacrificing. Good job, man. <laughs> so okay, you made it. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was. I was. I was. I don't know. Was it? Was I slow clapping? I, I don't think I slow clapped, but yeah. it was just. It was. It was. I. I wasn't as upset about it as probably other people because I was like. Yeah, you 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 needed to do something like this. Otherwise, you really weren't that great of a person. <laughs> so it's it's kind of funny. All right, but we'll all right. Well, here. there's some teasers. So I'm the Harbor Hound. We, Catch I'm you later. Mario, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. All right. Thanks for joining us. Well, I'll be back next week. <laughs>